uh, when we were discussing in Elders about having um, a number of dedications in one service, um, I piped up that I was against a dedication service because there was nothing in the Bible about dedications. Um, I said there is baptism in the Bible, so we can have a baptism service. Uh, there's communion in the Bible, so we can have a communion service. But there's nothing in the Bible about a dedication service. And then a few days ago, as I was looking through Mark's gospel, I realized that there actually is something about dedication. And we read about Jesus this morning dedicating children. So I just want, and I don't want to spend too long on this because of the adverse conditions. I just want to look at the verses that we read from Mark chapter 10, uh, verses 13 uh, down to 16. We, we have this lovely account of Jesus laying his hands on these little children. And the description is of parents bringing uh, not just their young ones who are able to walk, but bringing babies in arms. Uh, that's the meaning here uh, to Jesus Christ so that he can bless them. And the disciples, uh, typical religious people, uh, they uh, don't want uh, these children to be around Jesus Christ. Uh, you get that sometimes, don't you, in churches. Uh, people think of churches as places that should uh, have a stony silence uh, to them and uh, that there is something, uh, uh, I don't know, um, very uh, austere and uh, doer uh, about worshipping God and there's no place uh, for the cries of children. Well, let me say to you, uh, this is a living church and a living church uh, delights to have children in the midst and it's a great privilege to be a pastor of a church where parents want to bring their children up in the things of God. So I've got two things to say this morning about the dedication service in Mark chapter 10 which will hopefully explain to us uh, what Jesus's attitude to our children is. And my first point and this is very important and I'm stating the obvious, but as Dr. Samuel Johnson said, uh, it is the things that we are most familiar with that we are in constant need of being reminded of. And my first point is this. Jesus loves children. There's a flame of love in the heart of Jesus Christ towards children. The disciples were probably thinking... How can he have all these parents and their little ones come to him? He's too busy. He, he's got to be praying. He's got to be preparing his sermons. He's got to be healing people. He hasn't got time to lay his hands on children. But Jesus says, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them. Why? Because he loves them. If we love things, we want to be doing those things. If we love people, we want to be amongst those people. Isn't it interesting, my friends, that when you read about the religious leaders, the scribes and the Pharisees in Jesus' day, you don't get the impression that children were drawn to them. 
But whenever you read about Jesus Christ, you find that there's this attraction in him, like a magnet that draws all kinds of people, uh, including children, to him. You know, one thing I really don't want uh, in this church or in any church is the sense that people don't feel welcome. The sense that people think that they've got to be of a certain type to come to worship God. Oh no, Jesus draws and he loves children. Um, One of the fathers of the early church, uh, Irenaeus, said this. He came, Jesus, to save all, children included, who through him were born again unto God. Infants and children and boys and girls. He passed through every stage, becoming an infant for infants, a child for children, a youth for youths, and we can take it further, um, a teenager for teens. Uh, when Tony was announcing the struggles that teenagers are having. Jesus Christ knows about those struggles because he was a teenager. He had to uh, fight the same things as you're fighting. Uh, A young adult. He was a young adult. He knows what you have to go through. A middle-aged person. He knows what it's like. My friend, whatever experience you're going through, whether you're young, whether you're old, Jesus Christ is a real man, and he can empathize with you. I've got to say that. And then there's something else, and this is what I really want to mention under this first point. I think these disciples were thinking that children couldn't really understand the love of Jesus Christ. They couldn't understand the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I've often shown um, this missionary Uh, Bible to people uh, when missionaries go to places where the people don't speak the language and maybe don't even have languages they use this wordless Bible well I read of a church service where this kind of Bible was given to children isn't that interesting very young children and as the child would accept this Bible uh, the congregation would recite certain verses so I don't know if I'm opening it right they would be shown the black pages and they would recite the verse, all have sinned, including children, and fallen short of the glory of God. And then they would come to the red verse, Jesus' death on the cross, red, blood. And the verse would be, for God so loved the world and children that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And then whites. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. And the verse was, come, let us reason together, says the Lord. And though your sins be as scarlet, I will make them as white as snow. And then gold. And the verse would be, in my Father's house are many mansions. That's the gospel. Tell the old I'm telling the old, old story. Tell it very simply as to a little child. What could be simpler? 
there's a chorus. Uh, we haven't got it in our supplement. It says this. Once my heart was black with sin until the Savior came in. His precious blood, I know, has washed it whiter than the snow. And in this world, I'm told, even though it's a struggle this life, I'll walk the streets one day that are paved with gold. Oh, wonderful, wonderful day. He washed all my sins away. The love of Jesus Christ to children as well as adults. And it's a wonderful love, is it not? And even a child can grasp this gospel. Uh, I was um, taking a Sunday off. Uh, I'm supposed to be taking the last Sunday off of every month now. That's the new regime. And I went to Monmouth Baptist Church on my Sunday off. And a boy had been killed in that church, a seven-year-old boy called Samuel. And they recited in the church some words he'd written down in his notebook a few weeks before he was killed. He was um, run over by a lorry, so tra tragic accidents. And this is what he wrote in his notebook. Listen to this. This is a six- or seven-year-old child. I love Jesus and God because they look after me and are nice to me. They love me very much and they make me better and they are the best adults in the whole wide world. And I love them very much. They are nice to me, so I will always believe them. They like me so much. They are so, so kind to me, and I trust them. They give me strength. He loves me all the time. I praise the Lord. A little boy saying that. I can trust in them. They are the best. I am so excited to go to heaven. He died on the cross for me. He saved my life. A seven-year-old could say that. Can you say that? You don't need to come to our Monday Bible studies when we're going through doctrine. And it's a good idea, incidentally. I'm all for it. But you don't need to understand all of that before you can believe in Jesus Christ. All you need to know, in the words of one lady, I always used to say this when I first started in this church, a lady whose language wasn't English, she said, He die, me no more die. That, that's my first point. The love of Jesus Christ to children and to all of us. And then my second point. Jesus says something quite radical here. He says, verse 15, Of such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. Now, that's an astounding thing to say. The kingdom of God is where Jesus is. It describes heaven. The kingdom of God is what happens when we are saved. The life of Jesus Christ comes into our hearts. Jesus reigns in us by his spirit. And what Jesus is saying is this. You can't be saved. You can't go to heaven. You are not genuinely converted unless you've become like a little child. 
Isn't that astounding? If you're not like a little child this morning, however much theology you may know, however active you may be in the church, however moral you may be in the world, you are not a Christian. Now then, what is Jesus meaning by that? I want to be saved, don't you? I want to have a home in heaven, don't you? I want to be able to walk those golden streets one day, don't you? I want to have my sins blotted out by the blood of Jesus Christ, don't you? I want, even in this world with its problems, to have one beside me all the time, don't you? Jesus says, if you're not like a little child, you are not one of mine. Now, how do I become like a little child? What does Jesus mean here? He doesn't mean that we become childish. Do you know what puts me off some churches? They're so childish. If there's anybody here this morning who's equating evangelical Christianity with being childish, I'm with you. I don't come to church in order to forget about the big problems in the world. I come to church to be challenged by the word of God so that I can go back into the world and face those problems. We haven't come here this morning to just roll down the blinds and forget about the big bad world there and suddenly become childish. That's not Christianity. Being childlike is what Jesus is saying. That's different to being childish. He doesn't mean that if we're good enough, we're going to be saved. Um, I know there's an innocence to children, there is an innocence, but no child is inherently innocent. Those of you who are parents will know what I'm talking about. Do you have to teach your children how to misbehave? Do you, do you have to teach your children how, how to be bad? Oh no, you have to teach them how to behave. Why? Because they're inherently sinful, like all of us. And there's something else as well. A child isn't inherently humble. I know Jesus says we must humble ourselves as children, but he means something slightly different. When I was a boy, we used to have this game we played in school. Did, this shows my age now, right? Did you used to play this game? I am the king. Did you used to say, I am the king of... Is, is it possible to say this today? Is it politically incorrect? I am the king of the castle. And you are the dirty rascal. Did you used to play that? No, I, I wasn't humble when I, when I was saying that. And no, no child is inherently humble. We're, we're all fallen creatures. So what is Jesus meaning here? Very quickly, how are we to be saved? How, how are we to be childlike? Well, think of the little children that came to the front this morning. Did they come themselves? Of course they didn't. They couldn't walk. They had to be held in their mother's arms. And there's a helplessness about a little child. And what Jesus is saying is this. If you want to be saved, you must become helpless in and of yourself when it comes to my things. What does it mean to become helpless? It means this. I'm saying, as the children reminded us this morning, the Lord is my strength and my song 
I haven't got the power to change my life. I haven't got the merit to be right with God. I'm abandoning that to Jesus Christ. I'm completely throwing myself into his arms. And what kind arms the arms of Jesus Christ are. The arms of love that compass me will all mankind embrace. My friend, are you helpless this morning? Or are you thinking, because I'm coming to Heath Evangelical Church, because I'm this, because I'm that... I can do it myself. You can't. There's a saying, God helps those who help themselves. He doesn't. God helps the helpless. My gospel isn't a gospel for self-satisfied people. You've come to the wrong church, Jesus is saying this morning. This is a gospel for those who can't. Because here is a man who can. Praise God. He can save you to the uttermost. The greatest theologian ever, the Apostle Paul, coming to the end of his life, how much theology he must have had by then, in a dungeon in Rome, about to be beheaded, says, I'm not ashamed, I'm not put out, for I know whom I have believed, and I'm persuaded. I love that, that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him. All Paul did was surrender his salvation to God. Can you do that? Not just your salvation, your whole person. I can't do it, Lord. I need you. I need you to save me. I need you to lead me through this world. I need you to take me to my heavenly home. And then there's something else about children. Children believe whatever you tell them. Well, they used to. <laughs> they really take you at your word. If you are to be saved, you must take God at his word. God means what he says, and he says what he means. This is not fake news. This is truth. And if I'm to be saved, I'm going to say, I believe it. I can't explain it, but I'm trusting him. Um, one of my favorite preachers, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, 19th century Baptist preacher. Uh, those who come to this church regularly will know this story off by heart. Either put your hand over your ears or listen to it again because it's so good. Spurgeon was giving a children's talk and he must have been a wealthy pastor because he had a gold watch on him. And he took out his gold watch and he said to all these children, and this was a mixed bunch, they were church children, they were street children. Um, and he said, I am offering this gold watch as a free gift to whoever will take it. And you know what? Many of the church children were thinking he doesn't mean what he says. No way is he offering me for free that expensive watch. And as they were discussing that, and when they would have grown up, they probably would have had a committee meeting to discuss it as well. One of the ragamuffins, one of the street kids, just took Spurgeon at his word and just extended his hand and took the watch. I don't know if he said thank you. But do you know what we do? For God so loved the world that he gave 
better gift than a gold watch, his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And haven't you said thank you as well? Thank you, Jesus, for saving my soul. Thank you, Jesus, for making me whole. Don't we need to repent? Those of us who are religious by temperament, don't we need to repent of our self-righteousness? Don't you need to repent? Don't I need to repent of our pride, you know? We're too sophisticated. One more thing about children, um, and I'm winding down here. Children, they're wide-eyed, aren't they? They're always amazed at the world. I've been urging the congregation here, those of you who are visiting, to read C.S. Lewis, The Chronicles of Narnia. So I don't know how many of you are reading them. The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. The character Lucy, Lucy Pevensey. She enters for the first time through the wardrobe into the magical land of Narnia, and she sees snow. Can you remember as a child seeing snow for the first time? Maybe those of you from overseas, maybe it's now you're seeing snow for the first time. Not that you're going to see it this year. Fresh fallen snow. Wow. She was wide-eyed. And you know what? Lucy, I think, is the greatest character in Narnia, apart from Aslan. Not even Reepichip, the mouse, is as great. And Reepichip was very brave. Because Lucy never lost her sense of awe. She was always wide-eyed. She believed in Aslan, even when the others thought that he wasn't there. Oh, don't you want to be like that? We had a preacher here from Romania once, Joseph Son. And I'll never forget one phrase he used. He just said, wow. When we consider God, the work of God's hands, wow. When we consider Jesus' love, that's the greatest work of God. Wow. How could he love a child so weak and full of sin? His love must be most wonderful if he could die my soul to win. Have you got a wow in your Christianity? Or are you too sophisticated? I don't want to grow up in that sense. May you grow up, in the words of Bob Dylan, may you grow up to be righteous. May you grow up to be true. Yes, that's being mature. May you build a ladder to the stars, well, to the heavenly country, and climb on every rung. John Peters He wasn't having a normal birthday party yesterday, you know. Even for a hundredth. It was an onwards and upwards party. He's nearly reached the top. And may you stay forever young. Don't you want to be like that? The body is getting older. You know, I've got more grey hairs now than I did a year ago. I've got more wrinkles. It doesn't matter how much... um, Bulldog um, face lotion you put on. The outward man. I've even got these spots, um, liver spots, I think they call them, grey and green, called them grave marks. Because it tells you, you know, you've got less time left than you've got behind you. Grave marks. But you know what's wonderful? The inner man is younger. I think I'm younger now in my soul. 
Do you feel like that? Because we're nearer now to our heavenly home. And I think I can say this. I find Jesus Christ more precious now than when I first believed in him because he's persevered with me. What an amazing thing. If I was Jesus and somebody else was me, I would have given up on them. But he's kept me. Oh, what a wonderful savior. My friend, there's no mention in the Bible of the adults of the kingdom of God. There's much talk about the children of God, not the adults. Yes, we're to be mature in all sorts of things. But may we never grow old and crusty and sophisticated. And may we never indulge in church politics. And may we never have the attitude of the world, doggy dog. May we be childlike. And may it make our hearts forever young. I just want to mention a few examples as I finish. I'm not wearing my glasses, so I can't see the clock. Um, but just a few more minutes, please. Uh, one of the greatest preachers this church has ever had. Um, it's not in the person in the pulpit now. No, no. It's Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. Very powerful preacher. Very great mind. He was preaching uh, with the Stobart family, uh, Eddie Stobart and his family. Eddie Stobart was a Christian, and they were having Lloyd-Jones stay with them. Imagine having a great preacher stay with you. And the kids were told, now then, you listen, you're going to have the doctor stay with you, and you've got to be quiet. You've got to be on your best behavior. So after they had a meal, uh, the boys were sent to watch television, and then Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones was left, probably, uh, in the front room, as they would do in Wales, to have serious conversation, because he was the pastor. But then, as the boys were watching the television, they had a knock on the door, and this face peers through the door, and it's the doctor. And he says, can I please join you? <laughs> it was snooker. I love snooker. And he just sat there and watched the snooker. I love, you see, I love that about Lloyd-Jones more than his powerful preaching, because he's like Jesus Christ. Um, some of you will have known John and Mary Jones up in Bala. They, they were into their 90s, weren't they, when, when they were taken to glory? Uh, very well known in Welsh evangelical circles. Uh, Mary was well known in America because she'd written books. Th they had me round after I'd preached in the church in Bala a number of times. And I can say this with all honesty, they were so childlike there was no sophistication there they were just so like their savior i'll never forget that and then one last thing dl moody dwight lyman moody one of the greatest evangelists this work has seen this world has seen um 19th century american he was preaching in a meeting and somebody asked him what kind of response was there he said two and a half people were saved Two and a half people. And they said to him, that must mean two adults, one child. He said, no, no, two children, one adult. The adult was the half. The adult was middle-aged. He only had half of his life left to live for Jesus Christ. The two children had their whole life in front of them to give to Jesus Christ. Oh, 
Those of you who are children here this morning, I know the young children have gone, haven't they? But we can pray for them. Now is the time to believe in Jesus Christ so that you have the rest of your life to serve him. And those of us who are adults, may we be childlike. May we be childlike in elders. May we be childlike in church council. You know, our committee meetings are not like the world's committees. There's a lovely spirit because we are Christians. Well, I better stop there. I can hear the wind getting stronger. But Jesus Christ loves children. He loves you. And we must become like children if we are to be saved for his namesake.